Right, so the readings um, from Jeremiah chapter 29, and that's on page um, 789 in your church Bibles, or it's on the screen. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to, survive, to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehoiakim and the Queen Mother, the court officials and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the skilled workers and the craftsmen had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to Elisha, son of Shapham, and to Gemaiah, son of Hilkar, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. It said, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there and do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you in exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, that is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. This is the word of the Lord. Well, be a help to keep those uh, chapters open as we look at the passage together. First, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you know uh, each of us, the things we've been doing this week, the things we've been thinking about, the things that have been, we've been busy about in our lives. And we thank you because you know us and you also know what you wish to say to us. And we pray that Each of us will hear what you wish to say, and you'll help us to listen for your name's sake. Amen. If only. Someone said these must be the two saddest words in the English language. Um, If only. I wonder if you've ever said those words, if only, if only... That hadn't happened. If only he hadn't caught that plane. If only I'd been there. If only things were different. It's quite, it's quite easy isn't it, to look back on your life and and you, you <laughs> have this wish for you know, if only. Um, it's understandable. We probably all said it sometime in some way. Um, understandable. It's not actually terribly helpful. 
doesn't actually get us anywhere, so it will, if only. Um, just makes us feel sad. I think in this chapter, chapter 29, um, it's a story about people who were feeling actually like that. Uh, they were people who were, you can see the picture, they're by the rivers of Babylon, they're in exile, they're, their city has been captured, loads of their national treasures, all the gold things in the temple have been uh, carried away to Babylon, their king has been deposed and replaced by somebody else, and they, loads of them, have been taken basically to a refugee camp. If you look at the first few verses, um, it speaks about the surviving elders among the exiles and the priests and the prophets, and later on, verse 2, it speaks about the leaders of the nation, the skilled workers, the craftsmen, they're all being taken to exile. Not the first time, it's not the last time, it's going to happen again even more worse in about 10 years' time. But that's what's happened to them, and they're feeling um, sort of miserable uh, because of what's happened. Um, they're feeling very sorry for themselves, if only this hadn't happened, if only we'd, whatever. Um, they were consoling themselves by hoping, well, perhaps it won't last long. You know, perhaps it, you know, it won't be too long, and you'll get back home. And that... Um, there were sort of rumours going around that the king of Babylon might be deposed, there might be a coup, um, and uh, there was particularly some prophets who were saying, look, it's okay, it's going to be all right, a couple of years' time you'll be safe home, and all the treasures have been stolen, we've taken that to Jerusalem. So if you just go back to the previous chapter, 28 verse 2, here is what a prophet, or a guy claiming to be a prophet, says, uh, God, thus says God, I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon within two years. I will bring back to this place all the articles of the Lord's house and I'll also, also bring back your king and all the other exiles. Only two years, it's okay, don't worry. Um, it's all going to happen soon. It wasn't true. It was a lie. And Jeremiah realises it's not true and he realises he's got a put the record straight. So he writes a letter to these people who are in exile, and that's, if you look at verse 1, this is the text of the letter he wrote to the surviving elders. Um, and he writes this letter, uh, and he manages to get it, I think, in the diplomatic bag, because it says um, he's got some, some friends um, that he gives, oh, verse 3, he entrusted the letter to these two people, uh, who seem to have been sort of being sent by the new king, Zedekiah, to take this um, message um, to... What's he trying to say? I think four things. First, he's trying to say, get real. Face reality. It's not just going to be two years. Don't believe what Hananiah or anybody else who claims to be a prophet says, it's not going to be two years, it's going to be 70 years. So, stop dreaming, wake up, face reality. After 70 years, I will bring you back. That's what he says in verse 10. When 70 years are completed, I will come to you and fulfill my promise. So, face the facts, face reality. It is no accident that you are in Babylon not a mistake. I brought you here, says God. 
not the king of Babylon, not Nebuchadnezzar, not the Babylonian army. It was I who brought you to Babylon. It's my decision. I am in control of history. One thing that really strikes me from this whole passage is a reminder to us, God is in control of history. God said it would be 70 years, and it indeed was 70 years. Um, God said they were going to exile if they didn't listen to him, and they were taken into exile. You know, God's schedule isn't the same as ours, but he is in control of history, and we're reminded by that. And God says, here, you are in Babylon because you deserve to be. That's why you're in exile. I told you a hundred times this would happen. You know, you read, read through the prophets in the Old Testament, they're fairly hard going, but again and again, so I say, this is what's going to happen. If you don't listen to me, God is sovereign. God had said, if you constantly break my commandments, worship idols, oppress the poor, I will have no option but to send you into exile. And that's why you're there. So stop dreaming. Face the facts. That is why you are in exile. Stop saying, well, if only we can get back to Jerusalem soon. It's not going to happen. The sooner you understand that, the better. They were living in the past. I don't know whether to, to ever live in the past, to ever sort of, you know, daydream about what might have been. Do we ever dream and not sort of realize why things have happened? I mean, some things happen sometimes because they just happen. Sometimes things God allows to happen because he can't teach us any other way. So, Jeremiah says, get real. It's hard, isn't it? <laughs> Sometimes we need to get real. Face the facts, face reality. Second thing that Jeremiah says is, get on with life. Now you're in Babylon, get on with living in Babylon. Um, you know, don't just live in the past. Uh, remember that, you know, I don't read many classics, but my wife reminds me a bit about um, uh, Great Expectations by Charles Dickens, and uh, there's a rather weird and wonderful lady there called Miss Havisham, who is um, jilted on her wedding day. The guy never turns up. And so she spends the rest of her life wearing her wedding dress, living in the past. And God's saying here to the people, you can't live in the past, live now in the present. Unpack your boxes. We had, <clears throat> once at All Nations, a, a new principal was appointed. He was a heart surgeon, a concert, and a very gifted guy. And... Um, but he was from New Zealand, and his, he knew his mother was elderly, and that the time may come when he had to go back and look after his mum. He said to her, look, if ever you get so ill, you've got to be in a nursing home, I'm going to come back to New Zealand, and live, you can live with me. So he, he realized that might happen soon, so actually he never really unpacked it all notions. He lived there about three years, um, and then went back home. But I remember going once into one of his rooms, and there's loads of boxes unpacked because he sort of was only half there because he thought he might be going soon. And that's the mentality of these people here. They thought they might be going back soon. So Jeremiah's saying, come on, unpack all your boxes. You're here for a long, long time. And he says in verse 5, build houses and settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce. Um, George, John would be glad to hear that. Um, don't sit around all day and mope. Don't dream about things that aren't going to happen. Don't listen to people who ignore the situation. Don't start planning for when you're going to go back because you aren't. Not for years. Stay and settle down. And then he says, have kids, 
Wait till they grow up, marry your sons, marry your daughters. Wait till they have children, you have grandchildren. So I'm taught a long time here. We're here for the long haul. Now this is not good news. This is not what the people uh, in exile wanted to hear. They hated being in Babylon. For all that matter, they hated the Babylonians. And they were 3,000 miles away from home, 3,000 miles away from Jerusalem, 3,000 miles away from the, the place, the temple, where they loved to worship God. And um, they longed to be there. They longed to go back and sing the, sing the Lord's songs. Remember Psalm 137, made famous by Boney M, where they're sitting by the rivers of Babylon, and, they, and, they, and, the, and the Babylon said, come on, give us a song, give us a song. I said, we can't. By the waters of Babylon, I first sat down, or whatever it goes, there it goes. Anyway, because we should sing it to him. No. <laughs> um, they, they didn't feel like singing. Uh, and uh, 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 Jeremiah says, look, don't just look back. You've got to live now in a new life. Live now in the present, not in the past. Um, and that's what they're encouraged to do. Life doesn't always pan out as we would like. He doesn't, God doesn't always answer our prayers in the way we would like, but he is in control. And wherever you are, and whatever you face, and whatever you have done, God is with you. He's put us where we are. He doesn't want us to live with sort of paralyzing regret about the past, but to live in the present. And he will help us live. He wants us to live there and, and witness for him where we are. I think of you know, when Joseph was put in prison, if you remember the story in Genesis, and you know, his brothers sold him, because they were so, he was so obnoxious, a bit like Macron, I think. Um, he was sort of so obnoxious, and, and uh, they got fed up with his boasting, so they sold him. And for years, he was a slave, and then he was put in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Uh, it was about 20 years before he saw his brothers again. And you know, I think how easy it would have been for Joseph just give up hope and stop. Why should I believe in God? Why should I trust God? He, Look what's happened to me. I had all these funny dreams when I was a kid about a great future, whatever. Poppycock. I don't believe all that stuff. How easy to, to just give up. But he doesn't. He goes on in, in the incredibly hard time trusting God and, and, and trying to live the kind of life that pleases God, trying to live with integrity and still trusting God speaks through dreams. So, um, Jeremiah is saying now to the people, get on with your life, however hard it is, um, trust God is with you. And, and live for me. Get on with your lives. Third thing he says is in verses 7 to 9 is, get involved in the community. Um, he says, verse 7, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you. But these Babylonians, I hate the Babylonians. Why should I don't want them to succeed, prosper? Last thing I want, I want them to be destroyed, fail, they city to be destroyed. Um, but God says, no, I want you to bless them and to make them prosper. I want you to help them um, to build up their society, to make a difference to where they are. Now, fortunately, uh, Exodus is not, not our enemy. <laughs> we don't live in Babylon. God says to us, I think, the same kind of thing. Make a difference in Exeter because you are my people. Make Exeter a better place. Contribute to the economy. Build the community. Make it a great place to be. I think a number of ways that, that we do that, don't we? We do it, first of all, by the kind of people we are. Honest. 
people with integrity, people who are good neighbours rather than the last neighbours you want to live next to, people who care for their colleagues at work and treat them well by our moral behaviour, by the kind of people we are. Secondly, I think we, we, we make Exeter a better place by the job we do. I know what different professions, careers, jobs we have represented here. Um, lots of the police are traditional. I'm not quite sure where that is. I mean, a lot of policemen, medics, teachers, social workers, people in business, people in retail, and so on. You can sort of meet across the board. But whatever job it is you do, you contribute to this city and the welfare of this city by, uh, by the job you do and, of course, by the way you do it. Thirdly, we help by our involvement in, in uh, by our social involvement, and many of you are involved in um, being street pastors. Some just beginning to learn to be street pastors, um, uh, by food banks, um, visiting the poor and they're lonely, and so on. God says, you know, contribute to this place, um, and then He says, pray for them. Seek the prosperity of the city. Pray to the Lord, because if it prospers, you will prosper. That makes sense, doesn't it? (laughs) The nicer Exeter becomes a place, the nicer it will be for all of us to live there. It makes sense. You're going to be around Babylon for a long time to make it as pleasant a place as possible, both for your benefit and for theirs. Then the fourth thing that um, uh, Jeremiah says in verses 10 to 14 Get right with God. And maybe all the things he's trying to say to them, this is probably the key thing, because this is the one thing they hadn't realized. You know, we're, we're slow to learn lessons, aren't we? <laughs> but the penny had not dropped yet with them, but the reason they'd gone into exile was because of what they had done. Never understood the seriousness of sin. Never understood how serious it was. Just sort of totally ignore God. They just sort of well pay lip service to God, but most of the time I'm doing my own thing and my own pleasure. It doesn't matter if I break God's law. It's okay because well we're God's people, aren't we? It doesn't matter. That's what they kept saying. It's like us saying, well we're Trinity. We're sort of great biblical Christians, whatever. So it doesn't really matter how we live. It's okay. We're God's people. And God says you never realised it. It did matter, and that's why you've gone into exile. You never realised the seriousness of sin. And for 30 years, Jeremiah, and this is why Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah is heavy going, for 30 years, I've been trying to point out to you how serious it is. You haven't listened. And, 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 and he's saying, look, I hope that now, in this period of exile, the penny is going to drop, and you do understand. It's really sad, isn't it, when God has got to go you know, <laughs> to this extreme to try and get these people to learn lessons. And it's sad that he has to teach us lessons the hard way, because we won't learn any other way. And God says in verse 13, you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And, um, you know, that's what began to happen. It took 70 years. Um, The biggest sin, if you were to sort of try and itemise the biggest sin of the people of Israel before the exile was idolatry. They worshipped anything but God. Pleasure, wealth, comfort, other gods, whatever, rather than God. And the one thing the exile did was to cure them of that. 
cure them of idolatry. You never find idolatry in the Jewish people after that. Change them. That's the one thing that helped them change. Hard lesson to learn. And as I look at this chapter, you see how much God loves these people and how desperately sad he is that he's got to take this kind of action to help them make sense. But all the time, all he wants to do is to love them. That's his primary motive. He loves them. And and he, he wants to bless them. So we have in these verses some of the most wonderful promises in the Old Testament, verses 10 and 11. I don't know, for some people, it's their favorite verse. Verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. He only wants to bless them. That's what he's about. He only seeks their well-being. Great promise, isn't it? Great promise of hope. You know, we can all claim that for, for ourselves, but look at the condition attached, if you seek me with your whole heart. So what's Jeremiah saying to these people? He's saying, okay, get real. Face the facts, understand you are where you are because of what you've done. Get on with your life. Don't mope about the past. Live in the present. Get involved in society. Get involved with those around you. Get right with God. Recognize where you've gone wrong and ask his forgiveness. It's a great promise of hope and encouragement to us. And God says, I will be found by you if you seek me with your whole heart. Let's pray. Lord, help us to seek you with our whole heart. Lord, we know often we're a bit half-hearted. Help us, Lord, not just to uh, live in the past. Help us to get real with why things have happened and where we are, where we are. Help us to get on with our lives, to be positive people living for Jesus, doing what we can. Help us to be involved and contribute to the life of our city. But help us, our Father, most important of all, to be right with you. And then we thank you for these wonderful promises. You want to bless us, give us hope and a future. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.